Well, good morning, Sherwood family. What a wonderful, humbling privilege this is for me to join you once again this Sunday morning for worship and for praise and for study of the Word of God together. Would you turn with me right now uh, to the book of Philippians in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 4. And as you're turning there, let me just uh, mention a couple of things. First of all, Diana and I are incredibly excited about the privilege of joining with you in praying through what our own part is going to be in this year's Meet the Need offering. We're excited about that. And uh, I'm just praying somehow that God would use Sherwood Baptist Church as a parable church in the midst of what many people would consider the most bleak economic situation that they've been in for a long time. Would you pray about that? Would you just ask God what he wants you to do in that regard? To me, the very fact that the church reaches out to other ministries, supports other people, other churches, other missions during this time is such an incredible example of what the New Testament church is all about. So. So join with me in praying about that. Uh, we're going to, I believe we're going to meet and exceed that offering goal. The other thing I'd like to mention to you is that uh, this evening, I know we're going to be on a rush. We're going to uh, uh, have the worship service time. We'll meet together prior to the big events that many people consider this evening, which I think the big events worship. And as a matter of fact, they never call us uh, the NFL never calls us and says, can we adjust our schedule to your worship service? But anyway, I don't want to get off on that this morning. <laughs> At any rate, we're going to have worship this evening. And I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you in the process of that worship service what to me is one of the most absolutely hilarious experiences in a, in, at an offering time. And I want you to think... Uh, with me about, uh, well, the phrase, Publishers Clearinghouse Sweepstakes. <laughs> I'll straighten all that out this evening, but, but join us for an hour of Bible study this evening before all the other events of the day. Anyway, it's just good to be here with you this morning, and I pray that God will bless the preaching and the teaching of the Word today. You have your Bible open with me to Philippians chapter 4, this morning, we're going to be looking at verse 6. Now, what is the theme uh, we've been studying for these days as we study Philippians 4, 4 through 9? We've been using the phrase, steady in your storm. Steady in your storm. Everybody goes through storms. Some of you right now are in the biggest storms of your life. How do you remain steady? How do you look to the other side and see what it is that God has for you in these storms of life? Well, the first word was the word rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, said Paul, as he writes to these believers from prison. Rejoice, he said. He said it again. I want to tell you, rejoice. Uh, what an emphasis in a storm. And what we learn from the Apostle Paul is that God wants us to register our confidence, our faith at the very outset. He wants us to be reminded that he's on the other side of this 
and he's going to put his hand on us and guide us through this storm. He is working for his glory. He's working for our good. What's he doing? He's conforming us to the image of Christ. What could be better than that? And so we began by rejoicing. The second word was the word reflect, not as in a mirror that reflects an image, but to reflect on something, to think deeply, to ask some serious questions about what's happening in our lives and, and why is this happening? And the Apostle Paul has said, let your gentle spirit, during this storm, wow, let your gentle spirit be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand, or the Lord is in the room. And so we saw that there's some questions we ought to ask. What, what's our assignment in this storm? What's the audience, all men? And do we have an ally? Yes, the Lord, as I said, the Lord is in the room. The Lord is near. Now we come to a passage this morning. I want to use the word request to describe what we're going to be studying. In verse 6, he says, In everything let your request be made known unto God. He precedes that with these words, be anxious for nothing. Now, Sherwood Baptist Church has some hallmarks. Some, uh, there's some things for which we're known, honestly. This is, to be perfectly frank, one of them happens to be the giving spirit. Uh, the other has to do with, with prayer and faith. And we're going to see those two come together in this message this morning. We're going to be thinking about a request. What about the prayer of faith? This is really God's answer for your anxiety and for my anxiety. And so he starts out in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, let your request be made known unto God. Now, next week, we'll see the other end of this statement. But this morning, I want you to think with me about what Paul must be saying here. Uh, he begins by reminding us that anxiety, although uh, we have a pandemic of anxiety in our nation now, this is the, the era of anxiety, and the truth of the matter is, Anxiety is not just a symptom. Anxiety is a sin because it puts someone other than God in the driver's seat of your life. Some other event, some other person, some other circumstance. Uh, you're in this storm. You, it's very easy to get caught up in the storm that is swirling around you right now. And the truth of the matter is, I, you'll find this interesting, but I know of many people who, to be perfectly frank, spend more time in media than they do um, in the Word of God every day. And so they're constantly looking at their cell phone or their television or their computer or they're listening to the radio. And, and they have failed somehow along the way to realize that, that, that the news, which is given to us through these various media outlets, the news is designed to keep us scared. You see, when, when news moved beyond being a service and simply reporting facts, 
into all of this commentary. Well, the only way one network can be uh, make more money than another network is to get you to watch it more. And the only way to get you to watch it more is to trade on your fears. And so no matter how long you watch it, there's never a solution. There's never an answer. You better come back in a little bit because you're, and I'm not asking, I'm not saying we ought to be dummies about what's going on, but you understand what I'm saying. We live in an era of anxiety. That's an interesting word, by the way, in the scripture. We have uh, in Oklahoma uh, a road that runs right through the middle of the state, north to south. It's called Indian Meridian Road. Meridian. Uh, by the way, that, that road is where uh, settlers lined up back during the days of the Oklahoma land rush, one of the places where they, where they lined up. And they went into the uh, unsettled area uh, and they staked their claim when they heard the, the sound of the cannon, except for the Sooners who went before then. Well, you don't need that history, do you? But here, here's what I want you to see. That word meridian, a dividing point. And the word for anxiety in the scripture has that, is merimna. It has that meridian thought. It means first I'm on this side of an issue, then I'm on that side of an issue. And then I wonder if this is going to happen. And then I wonder if that's going to happen. And the whole time you're lying in bed talking about this, uh, you're either talking to yourself or you're speaking to other people. Generally, people who are anxious are not speaking with God at that moment. And so the apostle Paul said, prayer, this request is the answer for your anxiety. So you've got your Bible open. Let's look at what he says. The Apostle Paul, by the way, is, is very well organized uh, in so much of what he says. I know as you read it, it looks like he's all over the page. But if you start, if you start studying it, you realize it, it, it falls along very well organized lines. And he tells us four things about this request. He says, in everything, let your request be made known unto God. So let's see what he says about this request. He says, first of all, there is a focus to this request. Let your request be made known to God. You're not just talking to the air. You're not talking to somebody else. You're not just rambling. You're not just mentally jumping from one side of the subject to the other. You're not worrying. You're not anxious. You are speaking. You are letting a specific request be made known to God. He's your audience. He's your audience. You don't, you don't have to think of something big enough for him to be concerned about it. He's concerned about everything that is on your heart. Everything that is on your heart. I remember reading the words of a hymn years ago that it really captured my heart. Thou art coming to a king, bold petitions with thee bring, for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. There's nothing too big, nothing too small. Uh, this, this week, uh, 
we were uh, making an appointment for just a regular appointment for Diana with uh, one of her doctors. And I tell you, we had to run this trot line. First of all, we had to decide, you know, uh, is this big enough or, or is it too small to, to check up on or what do we do? So and then you call and say, well, have you talked to your primary? No, you got to go back. And then you got to talk to the scheduling person. And after a while, you're, you've just run the trot line on all of this. You don't have to run a trot line with God. You bow your head and say, dear God, and he's listening. See, prayer, the purpose of prayer is not to get God's attention. It's an acknowledgement that you have God's attention. And so there is, a, there is a focus to this request. And what is it? You are speaking to God. Now, that means you want your heart to be right. You don't want to be there to be any unconfessed sin, anything you're holding on to. What does it say in, Pro, in Psalms chapter 24, verse 3? It, it tells us, you know, that who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Okay, let's think about that. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to vanity, empty stuff, uh, who's not sworn deceitfully. Well, you can, you can read that Psalm. But the point is this, let's, let's do a little check of ourselves because we are coming into the audience of a holy God who loves us, who cares for us, who has saved us. If you've trusted in Christ as your savior, he is your father. He hears everything. It has nothing to do with how loud your voice is or how big or small the problem is. You are coming into the presence of God. There is a focus to this request, all right? Here's the second thing the Apostle Paul says, and this is very interesting to me, and that is that there is freedom in this request. Now, we've spoken about this already just a little bit, but notice what Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Okay, there's, he's just saying, okay, I've got a substitute for anxiety. But he says, in everything, let your requests be known unto God. And he tells us, he gives us a little form for that here in a little bit. But right now, I want you to see the freedom that you have in this. And um, there's so many people who think that some things are worth speaking with God about and some things are not worth speaking with God about. This is too big. This is too small. Now, I want to remind you that when you begin praying, you're doing something Satan hates. And Satan, your adversary, is, uh, he is the accuser who stands before the throne of God night and day accusing you. He does not want you to be successful, to be effective in your prayer life. He will do anything to keep that from happening. He'll, the phone will ring, your cell phone will buzz, uh, the telephone will come on, somebody will walk, you'll have a thought, you'll get distracted. He will do anything to keep you from praying effectively. Now, Sherwood family, we, we've talked a lot uh, about prayer. As I said, that's one of the hallmarks of the church. But I just want to tell you that there's so many distractions out there to prayer. And here, the Apostle Paul says, I want to remind you that everything that is on your heart is on God's heart. He knows it before you verbalize it. In fact, verbalizing that simply 
helps you to be clear about what it is. I've discovered sometimes when I realize that I'm going to be praying about something that the words that I'm saying are not actually, they're not in accord with God's will. I, I make adjustments even in my prayer. But Satan would have you believe that you cannot pray about something unless it's this big. And so you discount so many issues and so many people, or he'll say, you've prayed about that too much. (laughs) Are you kidding? Well, yeah. Or he'll say, well, you know, God's got other things to do. He's, he's too busy. He's, he, he, he is not paying attention to your, your prayers. And many people before they ever get down to the business of praying are defeated and they never get down to the business of praying. And so I found wonderful freedom in this statement. He says, now look, here's the cure for anxiety. You're going to make a request to God. He he is your audience. That's the focus of your prayer. But look at the freedom in everything. Let your request be made known unto God. And then look at the form here. He gives us a form. You almost hear the word formula for that. There is a form for your request. We said there's a, there's a focus. It's God. There's freedom in everything. There's, there's a form. He says, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Two interesting words. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, sometimes when I think of these, I consider them almost as polar opposites. The word, the word prayer, prosuko, th- this has sort of in it the idea of making your case, uh, spelling it out. Here are the real issues at stake. Here, here is why this is on my heart. Here is why this is bothering me. Here is why I'm bothering you, God. I'm not really bothering you, but why I'm coming to you right now. I, this is critical. This is important for our church. This is important for my life. This is important for these days. This is critical for my family or my family member. This is critical for me, for my health, for my finances. Lord, I have this, I I want to make the case, this is important. But then the word supplication has the the thought behind it of begging, deasis, idea of begging. So it's almost as if you're standing before God in a courtroom and you make your case and then you jump over the, the railing there where the witness sits and you just beg for mercy. You just ask the Lord, Lord, I don't know how to pray for this as I should. I know your Holy Spirit with groanings which cannot even be uttered. I wouldn't even understand them. He's making intercession for me, and he's praying exactly according to your will. But God, I am praying as it's you read the New Testament, be merciful to me. I'm, I'm a sinner. Dear God, I need your grace and your mercy in this. You know, um, years ago in London, England, uh, during a time of financial hardship, I mean, these were depressed days in that whole part of the world and depressed in the United States as well. And uh, orphanages began to spring up. In fact, uh, uh, 
Uh, I'm going to mention something about George Mueller and one of his experiences of faith at an orphanage of his in just a few minutes. But these orphanages begin to spring up all over the land. And there was one that was rather noted. It, uh, uh, the, the man who started it had been given a large estate. And on this estate was this incredibly beautiful mansion. So there were big gates and gardens and this huge building with a massive front door, you know, where carriages used to come up and, and uh, servants would attend to the people who were there. So this man had been given this estate and the, the owner had said, as long as you use it for children. And so in this orphanage, there, there sprung up quite a notable ministry, as a matter of fact. I mean, they reached out to various corners in the London area, as I understand. One day, there came a, a, a ringing of a bell. There was a, uh, there was a handle that you would grasp and pull down on the door, and it would ring a bell on the inside. And so the bell began to ring, sort of timidly at first, and then, then sort of loudly. And one of the men inside came to the door. He was towering, uh, tall man, and he opens this, you can see it, this massive door opening, you know, and he looks out, and first he doesn't see anything, but then he looks down, and there, standing below him, there is a young boy. He has seen this so many times. This boy is in absolute rags. He's got uh, cloth tied around his feet for shoes. He, he, uh, his hair is disheveled. His, his face is dirty. And this man looks down at this little boy and he said, son, what, what do you need? And he said, sir, I've heard that this is a place that little boys like me can come if they need a place to sleep and food to eat. He said, well, this man said, well, did, did somebody give you a recommendation? Do you have anything to recommend to you? And the, the boy looked around furtively and he said, no, sir, just these rags. And my friend, that's really all you and I have. We, we come to God with our need, big needs, small needs, needs that, that other people don't know about, some needs that they do know about, and you're embarrassed because of it. But we come to God, and we come in prayer and in supplication. We make our case, but in the end, we beg for mercy. So, so what has the Apostle Paul said to us so far? He said, there is, there is a way to make this request so that you come out on the other end. I want you to see these elements. He said, there's a focus to this request. You're praying to God. Remember who's the audience here. Uh, remember the one you're standing before, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. He has given you admittance straight to the heart of the Father. There's freedom in this. Not anything that's troubling you right now that God's not concerned about. He has an, he has an answer for that. And then notice, if you will here, there's a form. By prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And then the final thing I want you to see 
is the element of faith. There is faith with this request. You see, the scripture actually reads, you have it there, and you've probably thought, he's leaving this out. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And what is thanksgiving other than this grateful heart of yours that anticipates the move of God on your behalf? That's what thanksgiving is. It is faith that there is something beyond this moment that uh, in which you are voicing your need or making your request, pleading for mercy, making your argument, that there's something beyond that. And so you can begin to thank God knowing that he is a merciful God, he is full of grace, he is perfect, he is working for your good, he is working for his glory. All things that he does, he does well. And so in this request, you begin to thank God. You're saying to him in advance, I know you do all things well. I know that all of this is conforming me to the image of your dear son. I know that you are working all things together for my good, according to your riches in glory. And so you begin to thank God. God. And in that thanksgiving, there is what? There is faith. There is faith. So there's faith in this prayer. Sherwood family, how often have we heard about faith from the very platform that you, <laughs> that your preachers stand on? You hear about faith. I mean, some of the people who have come to that platform are noted for their message on faith. I think about Manly Beasley or Ron Dunn. I could, I could go on and, and name those who, who are known for their faith. I'd like to be known for my faith. I, wouldn't you? Because without faith, the scripture says, it's not just difficult to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I mentioned George Mueller a few moments ago and some of you all are aware that, that in his lifetime, thousands of orphans were cared for. They were clothed, housed, educated, sent out for a wonderful future, all in answer to prayer. George Mueller determined he would never, ever, ever ask man for anything, only God. And with his praying, there was always thanksgiving. God, I know you are at work. I am trusting in you. And some of us in this very room today remember reading how on one occasion, uh, Mueller walked into one of the big dining rooms in the orphanage, and, and here were these hundreds of orphans, and, and the, the, the cook came to him and said, I'm embarrassed. We have nothing. There is nothing in the, in the kitchen. There is nothing in the pantry. These children are all seated here because they are expecting breakfast. How, how do we, what do we do? And Mueller said to him, well, has anybody 
asked the blessing on our food this morning, had a blessing for the breakfast. And someone said, no, not, not yet. He said, well, I think that's what's in order. We need to ask the blessing. We need to thank God for our food. And as you will recall, Mueller bowed his head with those children and began to pray a blessing over food, which was not even on the table. And while he was praying, there came a knock at the door. And when the cook ran to the door, there was a man standing there, embarrassed, hat in hand. He pointed to a wagon out in the street that was loaded with food. He said, I, I am so embarrassed. He said, I was to cater, uh, I, I was a servant, and I was working to cater a meal last night, and everything went wrong. We, in fact, the, the whole meal was canceled. I have this wagon load of food. I don't know what to do with it, and the thought occurred to me, I ought to stop right here in front of Mueller's Orphanage and see if they need it. And Mueller said, in essence, welcome, come on in. You're a little bit late, but, but come on in. I don't know that he said that, but come on in. When did that happen? As Mueller was expressing his faith in God through thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Well, I'm not a George Mueller. And I've had, uh, at the same time, some experiences in which the Lord has shown me the value of thanking him. Yes, he has. Uh, I remember being in college. That's a long time ago. I mean, just to remember it is pretty unique, isn't it? And I, I, can, I can recall, though, at the end of one semester, it was midterm, you had to have, uh, in those days, you had to have a test permit in order to take your final exams at any semester. And the only place you could get that is a business office, and the only way you could get it is if all your bills were paid up to date. Well, I, I went to college on a shoestring. My dad gave me $35 and said, son, this is all I have. In our family, we pray, uh, we, well, we pray for all of you, but we, we pay for the girls. We're going to pay for your sisters, but you boys, one at a time, you're going to have to pay your own college. And so I did everything I can. I was a, I'd been called to preach at 18, and I was pastoring a little mission church, and, and I was getting $50 a week for driving down there. Take, had to take my gas and everything out of that, but, but oh, I was so proud of that. I did, I did that. Can you imagine what kind of counseling I gave married couples at the age of 18? Anyway, I get a hoot thing. It's a hoot thinking from, of that to me today. And, and so I, and then, but, but the college was a little bit more than that, and so uh, we had this singing group, and Mark Willard, let me just tell you that I used to play the guitar and the banjo, but you're not going to get me to touch it in, in, on your platform. But, but we had a little singing group, and we'd go around and we'd sing, and we'd get money. And sometimes uh, there would be a youth revival, and I'd preach a revival, and, and God would supply some, some resources that way, and I'd take them back uh, to, the, to the school. In fact, uh, two or three of us would pool whatever extra money we had in order to help pay the tuition for a girl who was in our singing group. And she didn't know about that, but we'd go and we'd take that money and pay on her tuition. Well, I, I couldn't get my test permit. Uh, behind that glass window with a circle in it, you know, the lady said, uh, you're, you're short $45. I said, $45? Uh, she said, yeah, you're going to have to get $45 or you can't take your test. 
I had to take those two. I had to, I had to go from that semester to the next one. I didn't know what to do. I did, I did think of a piece of equipment, sound equipment that I had, and I, I thought I can sell that, and I think I did sell that. As a matter of fact, and I, I, uh, so I, anyway, I, I, I thought, how can I do this? I don't have but hours to get this taken care of. That night, there, there were, there were, there were five of us who rented the attic apartments upstairs in an old house that had formerly been the mayor's house in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. It was down by the river. And there were these little stairs you'd go up to, and there was this upstairs attic area, and that's where, that's where we, we lived. It had been made into some rooms, you know, and had a bathroom up there and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I went back, to, and I thought, Lord, you're, you're going to have to help me. I, I don't know what I've got. I, I can't pay for it. I can't take these tests. So anxious about it all. Well, later that evening, I thought I've just got to go pray. I, I'm just worried about this. So, after my friends, it was well, you know, up around midnight. Everybody else in the that area was was going to bed, already asleep, and I went over and walked down these little stairs. It was real cold outside. I had a coat. It was midterm, and and uh, walked outside and. And uh, I walked down beside the river, which was about less than half a block from where we were. And I had gone down there to pray a lot, to be perfectly honest. And uh, I knelt down where I had often prayed at a tree, where I, where I often prayed. And I began praying about this. And as I prayed, I began to thank God that that he had never failed me, and I certainly could count on that. That was his reputation, that he never fails. In my prayer, I know this sounds crazy, but I was so tired. I was leaning against a tree, and I fell, fell asleep, just dozed off for a little bit, not a long time. When I woke up, however, there was a light dusting of snow on the ground. I hadn't even been aware that it had started snowing. But I had this incredible peace in my heart that God, the God whom I had just thanked for provision, that he, in fact, was going to provide. So I got up and I trudged back to the, uh, the, uh, that house and opened the front door, went inside, went over that little door that was the attic door, and walked up the steps in the attic. And on the third step, I looked down and there was a piece of paper. I picked it up and it was a check made out to me for $45. It had been made out a couple of months earlier by a church. I had to think, what, what did I do there? Where did we sing? What, what was I oh, preaching? I recall that I was there for a youth revival. How it got there, I do not know. I don't think it was in my pocket because I certainly would have, have felt it in my pocket. I know my friends didn't bring it down because it was one of those printed checks, you know. I prefer to believe that God put it there. At any rate, it was there. And it was there for a college boy who a few minutes earlier had said, God, I thank you because I know 
you're going to meet this need. Now, dear friend, the scripture tells us in no uncertain terms, worry is a sin. Be anxious for nothing. So if you're anxious for something, you're contradicting the scripture. And so the Apostle Paul tells us we can make a request. It's focused on God. We're free in everything. He's given us a, a form by prayer and supplication. He's shown us how to express our faith with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Now that, friend, is God's answer for your anxiety. Would you let me lead us in a word of prayer? And as you're bowed there before the Lord in prayer, let me just simply say that always, whether you're watching this on a screen or whether you're uh, actually uh, with other people at this time, I, I don't know. But, but if you know you need Christ, tell him. We've got plenty of people who will be eager to visit with you, whether you call in or, or text in or whether you come to the altar. But beyond that, what is it that's creating anxiety in your life? Why don't you say to God, God, I don't want to sin. I don't want to be anxious. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you freely. I'm going to come to you, as you've said in the scripture, with prayer and supplication. And I'm going to come to you in faith today. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. And Father, today, our prayer is that you would teach us how to do this. Teach us to do it. And help us to see that the situations in our life place us at a starting line of sorts. And we've heard the gun sound this morning to run this race, making our request unto God. And we pray these things, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen.